Today, we're continuing on our study about the church. What I wanted to do is take a, a couple weeks as we start launching back as a church and getting together again as a church to talk about what it means to be part of a church. What is the church? What, what do we know about church? And so um, last week, we, as we're, we're trying to get this clear picture of what a church is and who we are as South Point and then how we individually fit into that as a church, last week we looked at what I called the architecture of the church. Wow. Sorry, we're working on some wind um, thing for you for next week so that you don't hear that. But So we looked at it last week and I said, let's talk about the structure, the building of a church. How did God, as the architect, how did he build uh, a church? And we explored a little of that structure last week. We, we talked about the doctrine of what a church is. And I told you it's the, the people of God. And what is it built upon? It, the shared faith that we have and who is it centered on? Jesus, the cornerstone. And then what is it built for? God's mission in the world. So that's what we looked at last week as the architecture of the, of the church. This week, we're going to take a step closer, get a little bit deeper into it as we continue studying the church, but now with a different perspective. And what I want to do is use another biblical image for the, the church that we find in scripture. So last week we looked at it as a building, which is off of 1 Peter. That's where we were at last week, talking about the living stones being built together on the cornerstone. But this week, I want to talk about the church as a body. The church is a body, because the Bible also uses that image. So specifically, the way I named this message is, this is the anatomy. Last week, we looked at the architecture of the church. This week, we're going to look at the anatomy of a church. Now, I know for many of you like me, it's been a long time since you've been in school. And so you might say, anatomy. Now, what does that all mean again? I kind of remember that was a class in school, but I don't remember what it was like. Anatomy is just, it's a study of the structure of the body. Um, plants or animals. It's, it's all the parts that are um, in those, those, those living beings. And the Bible uses both of those images, the structures of plants. He talks about the, the church being a plant that's growing, as a Christian as a plant that's growing. And he also uses a, a body, a body that moves and breathes and lives. So if you've got your Bible here today, turn over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, if you're following along in the sermon notes, there's a link to that as well um, there. We're going we're gonna to spend most of our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then, then um, at the very end, we're going to look at a parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 4. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, is where we're going to be begin here this morning. And here's what it says. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. 
So one of the first things that I want you to get here and understand here today, God arranges the members of the body. That's what this passage tells us. That last line, I'm gonna read it to you again. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God arranges the body. Now, we studied last week that the church isn't a building, a physical building, but it's the people that are being built together, right? That's what we looked at. That's what we talked about. It's the people being built together. These God's people, living stones, who are united by the spirit of God. And each of these unique people, each of these individual people have a unique place in the church, just like body parts. And what this passage tells us is God is the one responsible for that. God is the one who arranges the body. And, and here's just an example for you. Oftentimes people have the misunderstanding that they think that the pastor is the head of the church. And so if they go to a church or whatever, oh, I got to go meet the pastor. He's the head of the church. Well, actually, um, he is just another body part. He might be the mouth because he talks so much. <laughs> But he's just another body part, like the other members of the body. Um, the Bible actually is, is perfectly clear on who the head of the church is. And it's not the pastor. And just spoiler alert for you, it's not the pope either. <laughs> the head of the church, he tells us in Colossians 1.18, and he, referring to Jesus, Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The head of the church is Jesus Christ, but we are the body. Jesus is the head and we are the body. And God arranges that body as he chooses. And it's the same way with our physical bodies, right? I mean, did any of you pick how tall or short you would be? Probably not. Did you pick your gender? Despite what the world wants to tell you right now, you can't pick. <laughs> you, you were given it, okay? Do you choose what color eyes you have? No. Now, many of you have picked your hair color, so I won't go there on that. <laughs> but there's certain things that we don't pick. It's just the way God has done it. God is the one who's orchestrated those things. He spoke that to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. He said to Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God puts the body together. God is the one who knits us together. Now, we may have some arguments with God about all that. It's like, God, you know, six, three would have been great. Not five, three. Or I really would have liked to have this color. You can argue with God when you get to heaven. But God's the one who's done what he's chosen to do in that. And as the ultimate designer, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And here's the, the part that I hope blows our minds. This is what he does with a church. God is the designer of the church as well. And I think it's important for us to recognize how serious that is. Because now we start viewing the church in a different way. Now we start understanding where I go to church matters. The people I invest myself into, the way that I'm functioning in a body, in a local church body, that matters. And God cares about how that works. And I think that, that God cares where you go to church because he has a plan. 
Now you could say, well, yeah, he's God. He can work out his plan however he wants to. Yeah, that's all true. But he has a plan. And that's where it goes further in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now in verse 19, where he continues this, this thought. He says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? All right, if we all were our own little pieces that we just bounced wherever we needed to go, however we needed to, whenever we wanted to, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, I realize when you hear that and you start understanding the implications of that, that may feel very uncomfortable to you. You might not like that. You might say, you know, I, 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 that's too involved. That's too close for me. I mean, my body is like, that's personal. And you're saying the church is personal in that way and that I'm supposed to be like that close? Yes, that's what's described. That's how God grows his church. How it says there in that passage, that's how he has composed the body. And, and especially if you, if you uh, weren't raised in the church or around church very much in your life, all this family talk that happens in church might seem kind of gimmicky. You know, where people are talking about, oh, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and talking about the family of God and all that. You're like, yeah, you know, there's a plumber down the street who says he's a family business too. And he says, oh, we treat you like family and, you know, or wh whatever. There may be that kind of thing. We're like, really? Is that what's really going on? Is that really how it's supposed to be? Well, that's, that's not just a gimmick of the church. What the, what the, the church is to be, what, how the way God has, has, has created it, is that the church is knit together in the same way a body is knit together, connected for life and health. And all of the parts of the body we know are connected to the body, connected with connective tissue and blood vessels and nerves. And if there's a part of your body that is not connected to your body, <laughs> that's a problem, <laughs> right? That's, we know that there's an issue there if that's, if that's happening. And when one part is injured in your body or unhealthy, the whole body feels it. And that's exactly what he says there. But on the flip side of that, when the whole body is healthy and strong, the whole body feels that too. So now let's take this then a, a step further and talk about, well, what, all right, if, if God's created the body and he's placing people, which we know people are what makes up the church, those living stones, those are in the body, then what we're saying is it's like people are parts. People are body parts. And that is what we see here. All sorts of people from different walks of life, from different backgrounds and different uh, standpoints, they all are gathered together, together into this church. 
And he builds his church so that every person isn't just allowed to be a part of the body, but as he says there in verse 22, so that every person is an indispensable part of the body. You need it. It needs to be there. Whether you're young or old, whether you're male or female, whether you're educated or uneducated, strong or weak, you're indispensable. That's how the body is supposed to be functioning because each part makes up the body as a whole and every part is needed. And the life of the body is not given by any one individual body part. I mean, even the heart in our body, a very important organ, or the brain, neither of those things give life to the body. If you opened up my chest right now and took my heart out and set it there and said, wow, look at Brett go. Well, guess what? He's not gonna last very long if it's all by himself. That's not how it works. No single body part can support life on its own. I, I as the pastor, I'm not the lifeblood of this church. God is the giver of life, the only giver of life. And it's Jesus's blood. If we need blood in this church, it's Jesus's blood flowing through our veins. And we all, as body parts, have to rely on him for our life. And our overall health as a church relies on the health of each other. Each other, the health of each other matters. So if you, if you get an injury or an illness that happens in the body, Sometimes it, it requires the rest of the body to help nurse it back to health. Have you ever sprained an ankle or, uh, you know, twisted a knee or, or broken a leg? What happens? You've got that, that ankle, that other limb that you're limping around on. And pretty soon you limp around long enough, guess what happens? Pretty soon because you've been limping on this one foot for so long, now all of a sudden your back hurts. <laughs> Well, my back hurts because my ankles hurt and my ankle hurts because of that. Well, now I can't even do what I need to do and all this starts hurting. And why? Because it's all interconnected. And that's how, that's how it works. And when we're going to talk about us being body parts, we are body parts, but we're also broken parts. We're broken parts. And spiritually, we all begin as broken parts to some degree. That's how anybody comes to Jesus. If you're gonna to come to Jesus as your savior, you need to know you need a savior. You need to know that there's a brokenness in you that you can't fix and that you need somebody else to do it. And that is how we come to him in the first place. And one of the primary ways that God heals our brokenness in our lives is by placing us within the body. You may not know this, but a lot of your spiritual health and spiritual growth and spiritual life happens when you're connected to the rest of the body. It's, it's not all on your shoulders to be healthy spiritually. It's not just for you to try to memorize the Bible and pray every day and do all these things that you think you know you need to do, which are great, wonderful things to do. But there's also a responsibility from the rest of the body that is nurturing you and helping you grow and helping you get healthy. That's how God does it. And you might, today, you might be here saying, man, I'm the broken part. Is he, was he asking for hands? Broken part right over here. If you want to talk about broken, I'm broken. And, and when you feel that brokenness, sometimes what you naturally want to do, just because this is the way we are as people, is you want to run from the very thing that is meant to help you. 
It's, I'm broken, and so I can't go to church because, oh, they're going to find out that I'm broken. And I need to wait till I get my stuff together, and then I'll show back up at church when I'm not so broken anymore, and then, okay, then it'll all be good. Then it'll all be fine. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Because the good news is this. God is a great restorer, and he wants to restore you to health and allow you to function in his body. And, and I do want to say this, too. I know that some people whether it's what they were told growing up their whole lives, whether it's just a personal opinion of themselves. Some people have this, this complex where they feel like I'm just, I'm the black sheep of the faith. You know, I'm the, I'm the one that's always going to be the broken one. And everybody just is going to know when I come to church, I'm the one that's a mess. I'm the one that, you know, people need to pray for. I'm the one that needs guidance in this. I'm the, I'm the broken one, but that's not how it works. In fact, it's often those with the heaviest history of brokenness that become the ones with the most powerful testimony once they're restored. That's the way God works. No matter your brokenness, hear this. God has a place for you in the body. God has a place for you in the body, no matter how broken you feel like you are. And that might go against your idea of church. You might think, well, church is for the people that have their stuff together. Church is for the people that are holy and they're like God. Church is for the saints. Church sure isn't for me. You don't know what I say and what I think and what I do and what I've done. That's not where I belong. But you know what? That's actually the same confusion that the religious people had in Jesus' day when Jesus came on the scene. In fact, one time the Pharisees approached Jesus' disciples and said specifically to them, he's like, hey, why is it that Jesus is talking to these sinners, these tax collectors, these prostitutes, these people that are a wreck? It doesn't make sense. What's going on here? And Jesus didn't even give the disciples an opportunity to answer. He said, uh, well, uh, he, he jumps in here and it says in Matthew 9, verse 12, it said, when he heard it, he said to the Pharisees, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For listen, listen, listen. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Guys, the church is a place for broken parts. And you can bring your brokenness to the church. The church is a hospital. That's what the church is. The church is a hospital. And all of us step into the church at different degrees of brokenness and health. Some of you are walking with the Lord right now and things are good and you're encouraged and you're feeling strong in your faith. Others of you are like the farthest thing from that. And you're like, I'm not sure about any of this stuff and I don't feel confident and I don't, I don't is there even a God? I, I don't even know. All of us come in at different places. But remember, he called us tells us in scripture he called us while we were still sinners but even though he called us while we're sinners he doesn't leave us there he doesn't leave us in our brokenness he heals us he grows us and he changes us and imputes his righteousness on us but one of the struggles that christians sometimes have is with their own guilt even after jesus has forgiven them this is incredible i feel like we're in see galley right now there are you guys. Remember that? See a galley. Here's, here's what, we, what we see is that even though we've got that guilt, that, that thing, 
even after Jesus has forgiven us, we have a hard time forgiving ourselves sometimes with guilt. And it causes us to then distance ourselves from those relationships that will help us heal from that. But guys, realize you gotta learn to receive the grace that God offers us. And the church is a hospital and it's a place of grace. So let him replace your guilt with his grace. And once that work begins, he draws us together and he places us in the body And then as we're going to see here, as we go on in 1 Corinthians, he then gives us gifts and skills and roles within the body. Okay? You might have been wheeled in by an ambulance, but pretty soon you become part of the hospital staff. That's that's how it works. And that's how it's supposed to work. How does it happen? It tells us 1 Corinthians 12, now, now into verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. And then he's gonna answer all this with a, some rhetorical questions. He's gonna say, but are all apostles? no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire these higher gifts. What he's telling us here is he says, look, I'm going to gather you together. I'm going to place you in a body the way that I've chosen it. And then after that, now I'm going to even bless you. You're going to be these broken gifts that are getting healed. And then I'm going to bless you. You're going to be these blessed gifts. And now I'm going to give you things to do within the church. Every one of you. Every one of you. And that's a radical concept. Not only has he forgiven us, but now he's blessing the church by giving those gifts to others. And some of those gifts and some of those skills have been with you from birth. You were born with it. You were made to do some of the things that you can do within the church. Others of those things have been developed over time. It might be the, some of the things that you learned in school or learned on the job that are they're part of the way that you can now help the church and be involved in the church. And other gifts and skills still may not even be discovered yet, but the purpose is connected to the body. Okay, so let's talk about that. What's a specialized body part? Let's talk about the human eye for a second. The human eye... One thing you might not know about the human eye is when when you're born, your eye is the same size it will be as a baby, as an infant, as an adult. Our eyes don't grow. They don't grow bigger. Your head grows bigger. (laughs) Your nose and your ears keep growing, but your eye doesn't. It's the same size. And an average eye is about one inch across and it weighs a quarter of an ounce. Tiny little organ. And the human eye differentiates 10 million different colors. I mean, gosh, I'd be hard-pressed to, you know, name 15 colors, but your eye can differentiate 10 million different colors. It has a single eyeball, has 107 million light-sensing cells in it. And we're talking complex, at an ultra-complex level. We blink an average of 4.2 million times a year. If you ever wondered, you start counting now. 4.2 million times. And it is, the human eye is the fastest muscle in the body. Highly specialized. But guess what? The human eye 
is useless for breathing or for walking or for talking. It's an eye and it's great at seeing, it's great at differentiating color, but that's what it does. It works best when it's connected to the rest of the body. And our purpose, no matter what our skill, our specialization is, whatever we've been made to do, the gifts that God's given us, our purpose is revealed when we're connected to the body. If you just take an eyeball off by its own, it's not gonna do any good. But when it's connected in the body and it's processing that information and letting your brain process all the light that it's receiving and then it's sending messages through the rest of your body, now it's got a part because it's connected to the body. Ephesians 4, I'm shifted to Ephesians now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he, he gives a similar list to what we saw in 1 Corinthians, but he also gives us a little more insight on it. He says, and he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." Do you see what he's describing here? He says, look, I'm putting together this body. I'm gathering these different people in. I'm giving them different skills, different abilities, different backgrounds, different understanding. And I'm pulling them all together for this unified purpose that I have. And in it, I'm gonna allow you to grow into this maturity and this fullness that understands God and knows God. I'm gonna shape you into the people that I designed you to be. But this is all happening within the context of the church. And the body of Christ has a purpose, just like the parts of the body have a purpose. And you are the parts of the body. And you've been blessed to become a blessing. So what's your part? Who are you in this body? That's where we talk about the anatomy more, the anatomy of the church. You know, one of the um, favorite times, I, I, I like little kids. Um, and with my daughters, when they were tiny, little ones, I mean, even before kids really can start saying, speaking in complete sentences, one of the things that you can do is you can, um, you know, help them start um, identifying things or recognizing things. And one of those things is the parts of their body. You know, you say, where's my nose? You know, where's your nose? Where's your eye? Where's your elbow? You know, these things, as they're starting to learn where these things are, they're learning what their part is. Now, can they tell you what I just told you about the human eye? Probably not at that spot, but they're learning those things. And sometimes it's that way with us when we're trying to figure out, well, what is my part in the church? I don't know. What am I supposed to do? I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know that I have some gift that everybody's needing. Um, I don't play guitar or sing or I don't know how to teach kids. I, you know, what, what is my part? Well, sometimes it's discovered. Sometimes it's described. Next week, I'm going to do a bunch of description of some different parts in this church. And sometimes we just have to ask somebody else, hey, what do you think I ought to do? But either way, what I want you to get today is that every part's important. And each one of you is a part. And you're important. Now here in this passage in Ephesians and and in in, uh, 1 Corinthians, he first talks about some leadership roles. 
And this is where people get stuck sometimes because all they can see a lot of times is just, well, I just look at the pastor up front. Well, I'm not called to go talk in front of people since that's one of a lot of people's highest, you know, worst fears of all fears <laughs> is public speaking. And you're like, oh, that's not it. I must not be, I must not have a part here in a church because that's not who I am. Well, that's where he starts. He, he starts and describes some leaders. He talks about apostles and prophets. All right, well, primarily the apostles and the prophets were those that wrote the Bible that we use. You want to go study some apostles? Great, you got the book of Acts. Go look at them. Prophets, we got all kinds of them in there. You can, you can see that. And it was part of the way that he established um, who God is on earth and to reveal it to the world around through apostles and prophets. He also mentions there in Ephesians, evangelists. Now, there are different types of evangelists. They're the people that can stand on the street corner or go to a movie theater or to a mall back when there were people gathering together. And they, could, they can evangelize. And in 10 minutes, they've already shared the Lord with eight people. And then there's others of you that you're like, oh my goodness, like I wouldn't even know where to start. But you, we all are to do the work of the evangelist. And it may just be you share, hey, to a coworker who says, I'm having a really hard time. I don't know what to do. What do you do when you have a hard time? Oh, I, I pray because I'm a Christian. Pray, what? Yeah, I pray to God. How do you do that? Let me show you. You've just shared the good news of the gospel or to invite somebody to church with you. You can do that. Your neighbor next door. Where do you go every Sunday morning? I mean, what, there's nowhere to go right now. You got a mask on, you leave. I'm going to church. You want to come? Okay. And they hear the good news. We can all be evangelists, but that is a leadership role. And I know that some people are better at that than others. Then he talks about pastors and teachers or shepherds and teachers. Maybe that's who you are. You're, you're a person who likes to teach and explain. We have opportunities for children to do that, for youth to do that, for adults to do that. I'm standing in that role right now as a pastor, teacher, teaching you. But here's what I want you to know. And this is where people, a lot of times they just see those roles and they're like, oh yeah, leadership roles. Okay, that's what the church needs. They just need leaders. I'm not a leader, so I don't fit. Wrong. Because like I told you, every part has a place and not everyone is called or equipped to be a leader. And that's okay. But everyone who is in Christ has a place in the body. So if you're wondering, is there a place for me? The answer is yes. There's a place for you. No Christian, hear this guys, and you might not like to hear it. No Christian is supposed to just be a spectator. It's not part of our calling. It's not who we are. No Christian is supposed to be a spectator. All of us, are given spiritual gifts. You may not even know what those are yet, but all of us are given those. Peter, at the, on the day of Pentecost, when the church was birthed in Acts chapter one, you can um, start in Acts chapter one and go all the way through. And, and one of the things that, that he said in the very beginning, when the Holy Spirit came and fell on the group of believers that were there and they began proclaiming the, the good news of the gospel and a crowd came around and Peter stood up in front for the first public sermon of the newly formed church. And he began to talk to all these people that gathered around and said, what on earth is going on? What is the church? And one of the things that Peter said in that, that, uh, that sermon there in Acts chapter 2, and he was quoting the prophet, uh, the prophet Joel, he said in Acts 2.17, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit 
on all flesh. And as Christians, one of the things that we learn and understand is when we give our lives to the Lord, God fills us with his Holy Spirit. You are built in a way to have the Spirit of God indwelling you with your spirit. He doesn't replace your spirit. He's given you your spirit, but he is dwelling within you. And one of the things that we receive when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is God begins shaping us and giving us abilities that work within us that we didn't even know that we had. We didn't have prior to that. And all of us, every part has that. That's not just for the leaders. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the elder team or the leadership team. It's not that. It's, it's all of us are given that. And when those gifts are awakened and employed, that is when we're going to experience a powerful growth in our church. A church that is functioning where every body part is operating where it's supposed to operate, that is where you find the health and the growth. When everyone is using their gifts, we'll see health and strength in the church. And as we finish, and, and I am finishing here, as we go on in Ephesians there, he then tells us the outcome that happens when everybody is doing their part. Ephesians 4.15, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, look what it says, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You want to know how the church is to grow? It's when every part is doing their part. When every person is fit right where it is that God has arranged them to fit. That's when the growth takes place. It's not once we figure out the best marketing scheme. It's not when Kevin figures out a way to get the live stream streamed you know, worldwide. It's got nothing to do with those things. It's when every part is doing their part, that's when the body begins to grow. And that's my prayer for our church. My prayer for our church is that we would be healthy and strong. I don't care if it's the, the, those of us who are here today or if it's 50 times size you know, of this, whether we're in a building or out on a back deck, doesn't matter. The part that matters is that we're healthy and growing in love the way God would call us to be, that we would be healthy and strong, pouring out then that love on the world around us. A body that is truly the hands and the feet of Jesus reaching into the community. That's what a church is supposed to be. But here's what you've got to hear me on today. It requires all of us. It requires all of us. I think that God has arranged this body the way he wants it. And I already told you why I think that. And I think that you and I are part of that plan, the plan that he has for us. And if you are uncertain about what part you are, then I want to encourage you and challenge you this week, begin praying about that and asking the Lord to show you, God, what, what part am I to play in this church? If this is where you've planted me, if this is where you're, you're going to place me, because I'm, I know I'm supposed to be placed somewhere, if this is it, what's my part? What's my part to play? Ask him where you fit and what he's calling you to. And next week, 
We're going to look then at the activity of the church. We've seen the architecture. We've seen the anatomy. I'm doing my pastor thing. Had to go deep and ask my wife for one more A word and she got it. Activity, the activity of the church. And I'm going to lay out some clear opportunities for every body part at South Point. So I hope you come back and hear that. And I'm going to give you some specifics of, hey, here's a place that you can fit. Here's a place you can fit. Here's a place you can fit. And let's just pray that God arranges us exactly how he would have it. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Lord God, I do thank you today for your body. And I ask God that you would be the one that we all know as the head of this church There's no question in my mind, and I pray that there'd be no question in anyone's mind about who you are and and how you fit. But Lord, I pray that you would also help us begin to understand where we fit and what it is that you have us to do specifically in this church, what our role might be. And I pray, God, that over these next several days and even into next week as we talk about these things, that you would begin putting it on people's hearts to maybe step out in ways that they've never stepped out before and become involved in ways they've never become involved and to make commitments that they've never made, not just to you, as I know that many of the people that are here today have made a commitment to you, but also that they would be committed to your church. And I know, Lord, that we're not a perfect church, And for whatever your reasons, Lord, you've chosen to use imperfect people for your perfect work in the church. But I pray, God, that you would draw people to us as a body, that you would make us healthy and strong, and that you would give us all that we need to function the way that you want us to function as a body. And I pray now, Lord, as we even consider those things this morning and and sing some of these songs, that we would allow you to speak to our hearts and allow us to know what it is that you are calling us to as a church. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.